This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the show where we rant about what's working and what's not in stocks and markets. And I am Julian Ng together with Ibrahim Sunny. And today we're going to talk about something that's not too far away from our minds. I think we are hearing it a lot. Uh, this is about ESG investing, which stands for Environmental, Social and Corporate Governance Investing. Let's start with uh, a few definitions. What are some of these sectors that comprise the ESG? So when we talk about uh, ESG investing, it's really three components to it. There's the environmental, the social and the corporate governance. Now, there's no one sector that's uh, excluded from ESG investment. It's more of good practices within each of these three areas. So when we talk about environmental, is the company having an unnecessarily large footprint on the environment. So it could be an oil and gas company, but if that oil and gas company ensures that uh, the waste products are properly treated, they look after what are the impacts, if any spillage can occur, they make the extra effort to avoid these, it can still be considered within the ESG. Under social, that's more about uh, how the company treats both its employees as well as the community that surrounds it. So this covers treating their employees fairly. There is a potentially a minimum wage element involved in there. Treating the community fairly, uh, what are the CSR activities? You know, do they unnecessarily harm the community? And then finally, when we talk about the G factor, corporate governance, that's more about policies within the management. What is their stand on corruption? Uh, is there separation between the board and between the management? So these are the main principles between ESG investing. Uh, it doesn't necessarily exclude any particular sector. There may be some sectors which uh, may find it's harder to adhere to some of the principles. But in any case, you know, if anybody is truly committed enough, we believe there's a niche for all companies. So I think sometimes it's quite easy to identify some of those companies that uh, possibly are outside of that ESG. Uh, I'm not sure here, I'm just speculating, but for example, a cigarette company or a company that's involved in pollution would probably be excluded from it because of their environmental impact. But I wonder how far the lines go and where it gets blurry because what do you do about a clothing company, for example, that is also harming the environment? Uh, what about food businesses that feed people and yet also harm the environment? So I guess if you take the example of clothing company, I think when you look at ESG investing, Generally, nowadays, there are quite a number of ESG indices uh, which can be used as an indicator of whether the company fulfills the requirements or makes an effort to fulfill the requirements. So in Malaysia, we have the FTSE for good, Bursa Malaysia Index. Mm -hmm. And the last I checked, there are 42 components. I like the name. <laughs> what are some of the, the criteria behind the index, if you like? Oh, I, I like to think that one of the main principles is transparency of information. So it's not just about uh, FTSE or any other index provider meeting up with the management and having a discussion. They actually look at public uh, source material, so both the accounts that are published as well as the media reports on those companies. Uh, and every year, as I understand it now, any company in Malaysia with a market cap of more than 2 billion ringgit, they need to publish a sustainability report. So that will also be scrutinized as well. Um, whether or not the company has an environmental control policy uh, in place, whether or not there's a diversity policy, as I mentioned, separation of board and management, 
these are some of the issues looked at. And I'm sure track record is one of the issues that's uh, looked at quite closely. Uh, with this in mind, uh, do you think that Malaysia is ahead uh, among our peers in terms of trying to enforce an ESG policy? I think among the regulators and uh, even among some of the uh, government-linked companies, I'm actually quite surprised to know that some of them are already looking at ESG investments uh, in Malaysia. But if you look at the global scene, then we, we in Asia are far behind. I think uh, ESG is already very much an entrenched issue, especially among the uh, European investment community. So, for example, uh, recently, as I understand it, when Tanaga went for their roadshow in Europe, uh, they were consistently bombarded by questions regarding their ESG policy, hmm. uh, given that you know in Malaysia, we are seeing a number of coal plants coming up. Yeah, And what was the answer of Tanaga? I'm, curi- I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh, we didn't discuss this <laughs> in uh, greater detail, but I assume that they will have answered uh, you know, we, we are still, what, 40, 50% uh, gas generation and this, this use of clean coal technology. You see, this is where I'm quite surprised because I think that is Tanaga a Sharia's compliance yes, stock in Malaysia? Sharia, so yeah. that's, I guess there would be some areas, uh, maybe a lot of areas of overlap between the ESG principles and the Sharia principles. And when you say that Malaysia is still far behind ESG standards and yet Malaysia is such a Sharia-centric market Right. How do you uh, reconcile that? I think there's a disjoint between regulators as well as some of the management of the GLCs and uh, the men on the street. So when it comes to ESG investment, the asset managers or the pension funds can talk all they like. But if there's no change in the heart of the men on the street, then I seriously doubt that you know, it will really take off. You know, I like to use the example of the uh, tuna fishing industry. So in the past, when tuna fishing was uh, conducted, there were a lot of dolphins, you know, as a bycatch. And these dolphins then generally died while in the net. And when uh, certain documentaries were shown, then it caught the public attention. And it was the public, because of the hoo-ha and and the the hue and cry, they are the ones that forced the fishing industry to start labelling their cans, to start using nets that allowed the dolphins to escape, even as they caught the tuna. So it has to be a change from the bottom up. It can't be a change from the top down. For example, uh, when uh, the regulators impose this 1.6% additional utility charge to encourage renewable energy in Malaysia. Now, I I think it's very difficult to find a Malaysian that says, you know, I'm not for renewable energy. (laughs) But when they start seeing I have to pay 1.6% on top of your electricity bill, you start seeing people complain. So that just shows that they're not putting their money where their mouth is. The change has happened in Europe. It needs to come to Asia. So with this uh, in mind, uh, do you think that consumer uh, advocacy groups, uh, they can work hand-in-hand uh, hand with the traders and, and financial That will be the day. <laughs> advocacy with traders. Yeah, because uh, you know they have a common goal, at least with regard to the ESG. Do you, do you see something like that happening? I wouldn't say I'm the only one, but I think I'm in a very small group which kind of uh, overlaps with, with these two uh, groups that you talk about, you know, people who are in the investment community and people who are in consumer advocacy. Most of the time, I, I don't see their two worlds overlapping at all. And this is where we need to see an increase 
in the overlap. So, so you're in that group of people who are a little bit more aware about ESG concerns and you separate your rubbish and so on at home. And at the same time, you invest as well. Yeah, I use uh, energy-saving <laughs> light bulbs. I excellent, turn off a light in the fan when I leave the room. And that's Chris Ng, Head of Research for Ethica Insurance and Takaful, speaking to us about the area of ethical investing called ESG, Environmental, Social and Corporate Governance. Up next, we'll talk about returns comparison between ESG and conventional returns. You're listening to the SNM show, uh, which is a show that's all about what's working and what's not with stocks and markets. And today we're talking about ESG investing. Not many people might have heard of this, but apparently this is a growing force in the investing world. Chris Ng, Head of Research for Attica Insurance and Takaful, joining us this morning. And Chris, of course, this being a show about stocks and markets, uh, we always go back to dollars and cents, right? And when we do that, we think about returns. So for a person who's making a choice and thinking about where to put their money, especially when you put the challenge out about whether people should put their money behind their mouths, right? At the end of the day, it's all about returns. What are the returns differences between conventional investment and ESG investment? I think in the past, we've had socially responsible investment, and that's purely where you invest based on a social ideal uh, with no major thought on returns or whether those returns, are, how those returns perform versus a benchmark. I think currently the idea of ESG investment has moved on to responsible investment. And that's the idea where if you look at the ESG principles and you look at companies that adhere to ESG principles and you make an investment in those companies, the expectation is that the sustainable long-term returns, we're talking perhaps about three to five-year period, are actually higher than if you were to put that same amount of money in companies which are not uh, adhering really? to the ESG principle. Can you give us some hard numbers? What are these numbers? Uh, based on some studies by the University of Oxford, they found that over 80% of uh, companies that adhere to ESG principles deliver a higher shareholder return than companies that don't. If you look at the uh, FTSE for good uh, Bursa Malaysia Index over the last three years, the outperformance uh, versus the KLCI itself has been 5%. Mm -hmm. Would you agree that uh, the last few years are an anomaly as far as uh, the investing world is concerned? Because we're talking about a very challenging situation. And even about Sharia, I guess you can't just equate Sharia to ESG because Sharia at one go excludes the banks. And the banks are a huge part of the economy. And in those discussions of returns comparison, that would be a lot more glaring. But can you explain economically why ESG companies actually perform better? Is it because they uh, are more responsible in their governance, etc.? I think so. I mean, if you look at the how an ESG uh, company would behave with regards to its uh, personnel. You know, so they would uh, generally have to ensure a better treatment of their employees. Um, because they are environmentally friendly, they wouldn't be caught out by any scandal that they have uh, committed with regards to the environment or with regards to regulators and authorities. And uh, as we know, uh, given that markets are quite volatile and jittery now, every time a scandal erupts or some accident has occurred perhaps in the construction site, then you would see a sharp sell down in the share price. So I think ESG investment is even more critical in a bear market or in a volatile sideways trading market. In a bull market, you could even say that everybody's going to make money 
and uh, perhaps you know those that take a, a little excessive risk. The opportunistic one. Yeah, would, they uh, would make more. Huh? Right, and this is the core question: Would would you consider all Sharia companies to be ESG, uh, but not all ESG as Sharia? I think there is overlap. There is a strong overlap between uh, ESG and Sharia. But uh, it's, it doesn't fulfill that condition. So there would be Sharia companies that perhaps are non-ESG. And I think particularly on the side of the environmental aspects. So I think some Sharia companies, they would, I mean, most Sharia companies, I think, would fulfill the social aspect, probably much of the governance. But the emphasis is perhaps a little bit less on the environment. Uh, and the, the vice versa is, of course, true. You, you do have, uh, for example, some banks you know, that will probably fulfill all the ESG criteria, but then they are non-Sharia. Nonetheless, I think there is a lot of similarity between the two, and uh, you can move in that direction. Uh, you know, you could think of it as Sharia 2.0. Right. Yeah, Sharia 2.0, right? Um, which is That's an interesting element. Very interesting concept. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was I was listening to Sharia. Everything is Sharia 2.0 for the past, what, five years, right? And uh, from Takaful, which is a new Sharia 2.0, which is, you know, maybe six, seven years ago. But I, I think the core question right now is on how do we get uh, companies, whether or not Sharia or otherwise, to be at least more cognizant of the environment aspect. We are a commodity-based uh, country. Plantations are a plenty. Many of our big caps are all planters. Again, you know, I'm trying to be this customer advocacy kind of thing. How do I push for companies to be more, you know? No, because I you don't see, like haze, right? That, that's an interesting question. I think that uh, a lot of the plantation companies would be Sharia compliant. But when you read of news of uh, IOI being denied, their yeah, RSPO certification, right? Uh, they're, they're certainly not part of that ESG category. Well, I, I mean, I must admit, I'm not a tree hugger. Yeah. You know, I think uh, organizations... But you just said you were. <laughs> practical environmentalists. I see, okay. Yeah, I think uh, organizations like Greenpeace, you know, sometimes uh, they may have their own agendas up their sleeve. But for a good example of a company uh, in the plantation sector that um, would fit in the ESG type of uh, environment would be United Plantations. So I yes. visited their plantations, uh, I think, earlier this year. Uh, they make uh, a great deal of effort to ensure that um, pest control is done through biological means. So, you know, you have barns, uh, you have barn owls uh, roosting within their plantations. Wow. Uh, you make use of uh, pheromones to attract the, uh, the pest beetles and then trap them in a certain manner. So reduce the use of insecticide and uh, pesticide. Uh, you know, they are, I think they are famous for treating their employees fairly well. So that would be an example of a company where even though the, um, the spiel behind uh, CPO is quite negative uh, yep. in some European countries, nonetheless, they are making every effort you know, to wherever they can to make sure that uh, the environment is uh, not much impacted by their operations. And then they treat their employees well. So they're covering both ES That's right. And, uh, and we have interviewed Dato Kalbeck Nelson, uh, the Chief Executive Director of um, United Plantation a few times. A very passionate guy. Uh, pick up the Breakfast Grill if you want to listen to his views about the environmentalism that exists in the palm oil sector. Uh, just going back to returns again. So the Sharia side of investments are beginning to be established here in Malaysia. EPF is going into it as well, uh, setting up the EPF Sharia account Count, would you think that the returns would go a similar way as well as the ESG in that a Sharia 
category would outperform the conventional category? I think in the cyclical bull market, Sharia index will likely underperform slightly uh, as banks generally will lead the way. And in the case of Malaysia, of course, Genting is always a foreign favourite darling. So as the foreign money returns to Malaysia, uh, we will see the Sharia index underperform slightly. Uh, when we look at ESG investments, um, although you know it is quite possible that banks will be in the index, uh, although I'm not so sure about Genting. Uh, nonetheless, uh, there could be some instances where the ESG index will underperform in the short term. But I think if you're looking at a three to five year horizon, I'm pretty sure that uh, companies that adhere to these principles will deliver superior long-term return. I don't know. I'm just happy that ESG equals uh, economic uh, benefit. Uh, and I think uh, the uptake is on uh, up and up. There's two, two pluses here rather than a negative. It's very clear what companies should not be in the ESG. And I oh, think tell the, us. The man on the street can make it quite clear. You know? So if a company has a track record of its uh, foreign workers uh, getting into accidents and unfortunately passing away, on the construction side, that company should definitely be excluded from anyone's investment list. But if a company you, does uh, bauxite mining and causes pollution in the state of Pahang, I think any company <laughs> like that should be excluded yeah, yeah. from your investment right, list. But you know, Chris, uh, I wonder whether there'll be a time of singularity and convergence because right now, environmentalism and corporate social responsibility and what, what have you, all these corporate governance, these are accepted norms. So at the end of the day, if we look five, ten years down the road, will there be convergence between ESG and ESG becoming the mainstream, the actual index? No, I certainly hope so. I mean, all of us here are called to be steward of, stewards of here God's we go. earth. You know, yeah. So if you're a it's steward, you've got to make sure that... Uh, yeah. The tenet is called uh, Khalifa. Uh, yes, which definitely. Is the, yeah, steward. So if you're going to be a steward of the earth, you know, you've got to make sure that whatever you do, whether it's in your own actions or where you put your money, it can't be harming the environment. It can't be harming the people around you. And it should be managed in a sustainable, transparent, non-corrupt manner. So I think it's a, it's a responsible of everyone, regardless of your religious belief, to make sure that you put your money where your mouth is. That's all the time we have for this week's uh, version of SNM. And we have been talking to Chris Eng, Head of Research for Attica Insurance and Takaful about ESG investing, which stands for Environmental, Social and Corporate Governance. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.